1.3, Preliminary Remarks on Methodology. The philosophical theory of everything, of which this book is a partial presentation, is a linguistic account that is true. At this point, true can be understood in the everyday sense in which, roughly, a given sentence is true if it says that such and such is the case, and such and such is indeed, or in actuality, the case. The sense of true specific to the structural systematic philosophy is explained below, see 2.5 and chapter 3. The development and, to some extent, the presentation of this theory are guided by a method that is further clarified in 2.2, 2.5, and 2.6, as well as in Structure and Being 1.4, but some preliminary methodological remarks are appropriate at this point. The chief reason for this is that TAPTO aims at maximal clarity, and that includes clarity concerning the status of its own sentences. To be clarified at this point in a general manner are the criteria that the sentences presented in this account must satisfy if they are to qualify as true. Negatively, the, the account's method does not require and does, indeed does not allow for it to begin with or to include any sentences that qualify as foundational by satisfying both of the following two conditions. A, being self-evidently or indubitably or in some way non-problematically true, and B, providing premises for which, from which all true sentences not satisfying condition A would have to be derived. Positively, the method requires instead, from the outset, one, that its sentences be adequately intelligible, loosely, that they not be nonsensical or meaningless, two, that they not be defective in ways that would preclude the possibility of their being true, thus, most clearly, that they not be self-contradictory, and three, that they be mutually consistent, that they are, do not contradict one another. As additional sentences are added, the method comes to require that, in addition to satisfying the three criteria just identified, these sentences also serve, in some cases, to increase the intelligibility of previously introduced sentences or groups of sentences, arguments, sub-theories, and so forth, and, in all cases, ultimately to increase the intelligibility, coherence, and comprehensive with respect to its subject matter of the account as a whole. Differently put, this account is structured as a holistic network of sentences collectively constituting constituting a partial presentation of a philosophical theory of everything, or technically, of being. Nodes within the network, individual theses and later sub-theories, are stabilized by means of inferential interlinkings of various sorts, including deduction, induction, and, especially, inferences to the best explanation, theorization, or systematization. See Structure in Being 1.4.2. Obviously, the sentences in this account must be presented sequentially. For this reason, sentences articulated as the account begins cannot, when initially presented, be tightly inferentially linked to many, if any, other sentences. To the extent that the account is successful, linkages both multiply and strengthen as the account proceeds. Thus, for example, the intelligibility and coherence within the book as a whole of this section's description of its method should increase as the density of the presented network increases, as should that of the SSP's reliance on the network structure. The increasing density of the network is also accompanied by increasing refinement. The reason for this is that clarity and intelligibility are often served by, and in many cases indeed require, initial reliance on formulations that prove, in light of subsequently introduced terms, theses, and arguments, to be less than fully adequate. Thus, for example, when such technical terms as philosophical theory of everything, unrestricted universe of discourse, and being as such and as a whole are initially introduced, they are of necessity relatively vague. 
their vagueness decreases as the account develops. This holds as well, of course, for the terms intelligibility and coherence. The terms are drawn from ordinary English, and the meaning of these terms that are specific to the structural systematic philosophy are made increasingly clear as the account progresses. To put the central point of the two preceding paragraphs more directly and colloquially, the reader should be guided implicitly upon encountering a given sentence or group of sentences in this book, not in the overwhelming majority of cases by such questions as, is this true, has this been proved, or do I agree, but instead by the questions, does this make sense, is it possible that this is true, and how does this fit together with what has come before. As the account develops, it becomes increasingly appropriate for the reader to keep in mind the additional question, in what ways and to what degrees does this sentence or group of sentences increase the intelligibility and coherence of the theory or theories within which it is situated. Ultimately, assuming that as it develops it adequately satisfies the criteria identified in the questions just introduced, the SSP as a whole must be assessed for its theoretical adequacy and indeed for its truth. But because of its network structure, it can be assessed only ultimately, and not as in the case with foundationally structured theories, see 2.2 below, starting from the beginning and continuing with every additional step. Just how the theory is best assessed is a question addressed by the theory itself. How this is accomplished and why its accomplishment involves no problematic circularity is explained in detail in Structure and Being, sections 1.5.2.2 to 2.3 and 6.3.2.1. A clarificatory footnote, um, the question, does it make sense, is not the pragmatic, that is, subject or reader-related question, does this make sense to me, but instead the semantic, that is, language or meaning-related question, does this make sense in the language in which it is expressed? To clarify, the sentence, the sequence, is or tomato anxiously, presented simply as such, makes no sense in ordinary English, although it could make sense in some other language, for example in a code or even in ordinary English, if presented not simply as such, but instead, say, as a response to the instruction, produce a list consisting of a verb, a conjunction, a noun, and an adverb. In contrast, the sentence, the structural systematic philosophy is a theory of being as such and as a whole, might well, at least initially, make relatively little sense to many readers who are quite competent in English, but it cannot be identified as nonsensical in English. Its attaining adequate semantic intelligibility within this book requires the introduction of other sequences, other sentences, explaining it and linking it to other sentences, and its adequate pragmatic intelligibility, its making adequate sense to readers, depends in part, of course, on the reader's own efforts. 1.4. A philosophically consequent stylistic peculiarity. A stylistic feature that Tapto shares with structure and being, and generally with being in God, and one that is unusual in philosophical and other literature, is that it speaks of itself rather than of its author. Particularly, Tapto and structure and being rely minimally, if at all, on formulations like I hold that, or as the author notes in chapter one. There are two basic reasons for this. The first is that, according to one of the structural systematic philosophy's central theses, the theoretician is not centrally relevant to theorization or to theories. See structure and being 2.3.2.5. Among the consequences of this the thesis are that whether structure and being author and being and God author Lawrence B. Puntel or Tapto author Alan White or any other theoretician believes or argues or contends something or other is not of central philosophical importance 
and that what is, is of central philosophical importance is the status of that something or other as a component of a theory of the theory presented in structure and being, a theory presented in structure and being, being in God or Tapto or elsewhere. The second reason for avoiding speaking of the author of this book is a reason for avoiding speaking of authors at all. This reason is that authors often change their minds. It thus makes no sense, for example, to write without qualification about Hilary Putnam's beliefs about philosophical issues, because theses contained in his later works often explicitly contradict ones contained in his earlier works. The kinds of qualifications required are present in the following sentence. In Time and Physical Geometry, written in 1967, Putnam presupposes metaphysical realism, but in Sense, Nonsense, and the Senses, published in 1994, he rejects metaphysical realism. Sentences containing such qualifications can be important in philosophical accounts, but it is not important that they attribute beliefs or positions to authors instead of attributing theses or positions to text. Tapto does the latter, relying on formulations like Putnam 1967 presupposes metaphysical realism, but Putnam 1994 rejects metaphysical realism. To put this second point somewhat differently, no matter what Lawrence B. Puntel or Alan White may believe in Indeed, or indeed may ever have believed, structure and being and tapto will continue to present the theories that they present as long as copies of them exist, and it is those theories, and not Lawrence B. Puntel or Alan White, that are the proper focus of philosophical attention. In order accurately to reflect this centrally important fact, tapto speaks for itself and allows structure and being and other texts to speak for themselves as well. Hence, the following sentence is true. Structure and being often attributes theses and theories to philosophers, for example, Quine presents, Quine maintains, Quine designates, whereas Tapto, other than in section 1.2, attributes them only to text, for example, Quine 1992 argues. 1.5, the structure of this book. Following the preliminaries covered in chapter 1, chapter 2 introduces the abstract theoretical framework of the structural systematic philosophy in the process of explaining what abstract theoretical frameworks are and how they are concretized. Chapter 2 is a concise alternative to chapters 1 through 3 of Structure and Being and is presupposed by chapters 3 through 8. Chapters 3 through 8 are sufficiently independent of one another that they may be read in any order, although they are probably most intelligible if read in numerical order. Chapter 3 greatly expands the brief account of the stru structural systematic philosophy's truth theory given in 2.5. Chapter 4 explains the structural systematic philosophy's definition of knowledge. Chapter 5 sketches the structural systematic philosophy's value theory on its most general level. Chapter 6 presents an account of human freedom that supplements the relatively brief passages on that topic included in structure and being. Chapter 7 sketches a theory of beauty that is an alternative to the theory introduced in structure and being section 4.4. Chapter 8 finally presents some, as some aspects of the theory of being presented in structure and being 5.3 and chapter 3 of Being in God, introducing and then relying on a refined language in order to articulate being more co coherently and intelligibly than does either structure in being or being and God.